0: Pfizer and BioNTech said yesterday that laboratory tests show their coronavirus vaccine is effective against the Omicron variant after three doses, adding that just two doses may not be sufficient to protect against infection. Pfizer CEO even suggested in an interview that a fourth dose might be needed. Obviously, there's still a lot of unknowns around the variant, but we do know a little more than we did a week ago. And here with the latest and to take your questions is Dr. Robert Wachter, chair of UCSF's Department of Medicine. Dr. Wachter, thanks so much for joining us.
1: My pleasure, Mina. Good to be here.
0: So we know Omicron is more contagious, uh, but do we know more about why? Why it's spreading so quickly, Dr. Wachter?
1: Uh, no, not, not yet. There are two alternative possibilities. One is that it actually is more contagious the way Delta was more contagious than the original virus. And the second is that it looks like it's more contagious just because it is able to partly evade the immunity that a lot of people have either through vaccination or infection. And uh, we've not yet been able to dissect out those two explanations. I'm guessing it'll turn out to be a little bit of both rather than just all of one and and not of the other. Uh, but that's going to take another week or two to figure out.
0: There are also early reports that have suggested that symptoms are milder, suggested that, but we need to be really careful drawing conclusions here. Why do we have to be so careful about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the main reason is if you believe that to be true, you might let your guard down inappropriately. And if it turns out that it appears to be milder because it mostly is striking younger people or the vaccines are working partly, uh, that is, those are different answers than it truly is milder. There's some fundamental characteristic of the virus that makes it milder. So uh, we have some time to figure it out in the United States. We're hearing about cases popping up here and there. It still is not the dominant threat at this moment. Uh, by you know orders of magnitude, the dominant threat is Delta. Uh, but uh, if it turns out to be milder, that will be useful to know. The key thing then will be how much milder it is. If it's half as severe, but twice as infectious, you end up pretty much in the same place. So, uh, so you know, it, I think we've got to be careful, first of all, to be sure that it really is milder. The early reports are pretty hopeful. But second of all, not to become too uh, cavalier about it because if it turns out to be more infectious and or evade immunity and it's a little bit milder, that could still be a pretty bad situation because you're just gonna have more infections. A smaller percentage of them may get super sick, but a smaller percentage of a bigger percentage can turn out to be just as devastating.
0: You're reminding me of um, Sarah Zheng's article in The Atlantic that talked about if cases balloon dramatically, even a tiny percentage of patients becoming seriously ill can turn into too many hospitalizations all at once, essentially. As you were saying, Zhang said, we have to keep in mind a tiny percent of a huge number is still a big number and maybe mild but uncontrolled very transmissible variant which is what it sounds like this is could cause a lot of hospitalizations and potentially deaths in this country is that what you're talking about is that what you're worried about dr Walker?
1: well i'm worried about a lot of things one is is that that is true at kind of a public health 30,000 foot view you know what will overwhelm the hospitals then you have just the individual view that if, if if someone believes that it is milder, I don't have to worry about it, and let's say lets their guard down too much, and you're an older person and you're vulnerable, you know, you could still get into pretty bad trouble with with this. So even if the the overall probability of a severe outcome is lower, if the probability of getting infected is higher, those two can balance each other out and it could be could be a big problem. And then the third thing is. You know, we don't know anything about long COVID with uh, mm-hmm. with this new variant. It's been around too too short a period of time right. to see whether or not it can cause long COVID. So even if it turns out that, that the vast, vast majority of people who get it don't get really, really sick and go to the ICU, if it turns out that 5 or 10% of them continue to feel crummy a month or two or six months later, that's a very big deal as well. So there are a lot of things we have to know before, certainly before we... Uh, say, you know, we got lucky here. This thing isn't too bad. We don't know for sure that that's true. And even if it is less severe on average, that could be nullified to some extent by far more cases of it.
0: Well, we have questions for you coming in. And let me remind listeners, you can share your questions by posting them on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum, by emailing them to forum at kqed.org. And of course, by calling us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. Jay asks on Instagram, how long will it take for us to see Omicron's effect on local case numbers?
1: Well, it'll play out over the course of several weeks. And I think Jay's making an important point. It's it, Not only just local case numbers, but to learn more about this virus. You've heard reports in the last couple of days about how well the vaccines work and how well immunity from infection works. A lot of the information we're getting now is from kind of laboratory studies and what happens in a test tube. The real proof of the pudding is to see what actually happens, what happens to the person who has gotten two shots of Pfizer or Moderna or got J&J and then a booster. Uh, how well protected are they? And we'll only really know that for sure when we actually follow, you know, hundreds of people or thousands of people with this infection and see what see what happens to them. The best data, you know, we, we certainly are missing a fair number of cases of Omicron because we don't test for, uh, you know, for a very large segment of the population but you know we're not missing tens of thousands. There, there are more than we know about, but, but it's still the dominant variant is Delta. If this thing spreads as rapidly as it appears to be spreading in South Africa, then it's probably in January that this becomes a significant problem in the United States. There will be cases you'll hear about, they'll make the front page of the newspaper, you'll talk about them on the radio, but it's important to say for the next month or so, the main problem to worry about is Delta, And it's important for us to not forget that because Delta is a big problem. It has not gone away. It's infecting over 100,000 people a day in the U.S., killing over 1,000 people a day in the U.S. So that is the dominant problem for the next month. It won't be till January or so where we'll see the possibility of Omicron surges the way we saw Delta surges in the past.
0: Well, Michael writes, can Dr. Wachter explain the ways these vaccines can fight the virus other than antibodies. And it's an interesting question because we're hearing Pfizer saying that lab tests suggest that uh, three doses of their virus offer significant protection, even though it sounds like Omicron can evade antibodies pretty effectively. So how does the virus, uh, sorry, how does the vaccine fight the virus if antibodies are such a big part of what a vaccine does?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a, we've all become amateur <laughs> <laughs> virologists, immunologists, uh, you know, an epidemiologist in the past uh, two years. Um, I think people are now kind of familiar with the idea that your immune system has multiple belt and suspenders, uh, ways of attacking a virus. And the first one and the rapid one is antibodies, antibodies sort of attacking the virus as an external invader and sequestering it before it can infect our cells. And that's very important. That's what your antibodies do. The, the idea of having a higher level of antibodies being more protective, I know it's hard to get your arms around people say, well, the vaccines don't work as well, get vaccinated or get boosted. But that's, Absolutely right, You know we are quite likely to be in a situation where the virus partly evades our antibodies and therefore we need a higher level of antibodies in order to markedly decrease the probability of getting infected. But then there's a second thing that happens, which is if you're infected, then you're now at another leg in the algorithm, which is are you gonna have a mild illness or are you gonna have a severe illness, the kind that might put you in the hospital or even kill you? And the answer to that has less to do with that initial antibody response. Now, if the initial antibody response was great and you never got infected, then you're out of the woods. But let's say you did, then the question is, do the other parts of your immune system that take a few days to kick in but prevent a severe infection, are they still viable? And that's the memory B cells and the T cells you probably have heard about. And at least so far, the evidence is with vaccination uh, or probably even natural infection, those parts of the immune system may be working okay, which may very well be why there are so many people that have some level of immunity, either from vaccination or infection, that we're not seeing severe cases. So we gotta wait a little bit more time to see what actually happens. And it, you know, to say it's not severe, it's a little early because you can have mild cases and they become severe a week or 10 days later. But that's the idea that it's it, you're, you're talking about uh, protection against mild infection or all infections. That's really antibodies, a quick response. And then the second response that takes a few days may still be relatively intact, even if we see far more cases.
0: Hmm. Well, Sarah writes, in February 2021, my partner received the j vaccine in August 2021. SF Department of Public Health was offering Pfizer boosters to people who had received the single j j shot. Can and should he receive another Pfizer booster now, four months after his last shot, before we travel to visit family for the Christmas holiday? And uh, another related question, how bad are off are you if you are not boosted and it's been six months? It's hard to get appointments now.
1: Yeah. All right. So two different questions. So the, the J&J question, uh, you have entered a data-free zone. And so I will tell you my own thoughts about it and and, and, and it's very clear that J works less well, the single shot of J worked less well than And the two shots of Pfizer or Moderna. Very clear that if you got a single shot of J&J, you should get a second shot of something. And and most of the experts I know, they got a second shot of either Pfizer or Moderna as opposed to another J&J. The question of, do you need a booster on top of that second shot? If it were me and I was four or five months out from my booster, I would get another shot, but that is just improv, that's based on what we know from what happened with Pfizer and Moderna after two shots, it's possible you don't need it. But I have I go into a lot of this, feeling like the, the, the vaccine is really, really benign. Uh, the number of severe side effects is extraordinarily low. And at least at this moment with Omicron on the horizon, I would want to err on the side of having the maximum possible immunity. Uh, as far as the, the, the question of... Well, the, it's hard the, to get the,
0: appointments. Yeah. So if you've yeah. had the two shots and you're not boosted, the person basically is wondering how bad off are you?
1: I think you are um, somewhere between fully protected and not protected. I, I, I think we've got to be honest about that, 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 the, that the, the efficacy of the vaccines waned significantly beginning at about five months by six or seven or eight months. It's working probably about half or, or two thirds as well as it did in the beginning. Still reasonably protective against getting really sick, but a study just came out yesterday from Israel showing that the people who got boosted had a 90% lower death rate. So it's not just prevention of infections, it's actually is prevention of death. And if it were me and I was, particularly if I was planning on congregating with a lot of people, around the Christmas holidays, I would look really hard to see if I could get boosted, you know, at least a week before that. I think that it is, there's no question that you're better off if you can get the booster than if you don't.
0: We're talking the Omicron variant with Dr. Bob Wachter and you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to caller Don in El Cerrito. Hi, Don.
1: Hi, I feel so,
0: uh, so selfish in a way, but then uh, it's just such a weird, uh, bizarre situation because I just, I uh, uh, a couple weeks ago I got before I left for Europe I got the uh, uh Pfizer booster shot um and then um d- should I get the f- fourth booster shot for o- omicron I no. mean really <laughs>
1: no I don't think so. You know, here's what we know, Donna. It's a good question. I mean, and it may turn out we all need a fourth shot at some point, but there's no evidence that you need it it now. Yeah, the level of immunity that you have after your booster is even better than what you had after your second shot, and it's going to turn out to last for—I'm guessing far more than six months. Um, and it's, it's, it's almost certainly high enough to thwart Omicron. That's what it's looking like so far. So I think you're good to go. If Omicron becomes a big thing in the U.S., then, you know, we may need to modify our behavior a little bit. If you've decided to begin taking masks off inside, you might want to put it on until we understand it better. But I don't think there's any evidence that now that you need a fourth shot. Let's you know, stay tuned and see what happens. But for now, I think you're as good as you can be.
0: Don, thanks for the question. And let me go to Sam in Sunnyvale. Hi, Sam.
1: Hello. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you uh, to KQED and doctor and to the medical community for your service and providing this information throughout the pandemic. You all are going through it too. Uh, my question is, I have taken, I'm mild to moderately diabetic, first of all, type 2 diabetic. In other words, I take insulin once every three days, not every day, and only one type, which is a long-lasting. I've taken three full doses of Moderna shots. The booster shot is generally half dose. I took, I with, my, with consult with my doctor, I took the full dose of Moderna done as a third shot. Uh, and I need to travel to India to visit my in-laws. Um, and uh, how safe is it for me to go there? And just want to also let you know, in India, there's travel guidelines are much stricter. I have to take the RT-PCR in, in last 72 hours before boarding the plane. And then once I get at the airport, I have to do RT-PCR at the airport before I can even leave the airport premises. Yep. So that. Protects me as well, but I wanted to know good. your opinion, please. Good. Same thing. Yeah, thanks. I mean, you're yeah, no, you your. I mean, your diabetes puts you at increased risk compared to someone your age who didn't have diabetes. So I think it's good for you to be careful and thoughtful about it. Um, your level of immunity after three Moderna shots, particularly since you got the full dose of the third, the recommended dose is half the half dose, largely because of the side effects are more after the full dose. But the fact you got the third dose and did okay. Uh, you are, again, really in good shape in terms of your immunity. Uh, what I would do, you know, you are more vulnerable than the average person because of your diabetes, so I would be careful. I certainly would be wearing an N95 on the flight. Planes are pretty safe because of the ventilation, but I would wear an N95 and try to keep it on for as much as you can. Remember, the flight at some point turns into a flying restaurant as everybody else takes their masks off to eat. That is a time where if I were you, I'd keep mine on. And... Uh, and when you get there, in terms of being super safe, if you are being, if you're hanging around people who are unvaccinated or partly vaccinated, let's say they haven't gotten boosters, I would think about using rapid tests. I, I, you know, the rapid test is now a tool that can be used if you're coming, you know, have dinner together with a group of people. If everybody does a rapid test that morning, and they're all negative. You could be really sure that it's a very, very safe uh, encounter. So I would hmm. be adding the rapid test into my thinking about how to create the safest possible environment. But you've done everything you can, can you can do vaccine wise in order to have the uh, best possible level of immunity.
0: I appreciate these protocols because we are on the cusp of people gathering. One last question here from Dewani, who writes, any word on Omicron in children, especially under five? Are symptoms different from Delta? Could this indicate multisystem inflammatory syndrome? I think this was a story that this person referred to that showed kids with a rash.
1: Yeah, I haven't heard anything about this multisystem uh, entity in Omicron yet. It'll be worth watching. Certainly worry about the kids because in some ways it's the last group. It will be the last group at least to be eligible for vaccination. But at least so far, you know, the ki- that we're seeing lots of cases in South Africa and as it begins to spread, not seeing a lot of severe cases. And I think only time will tell whether that will change. Um, you know, you do worry about the, the little kids because they are this unvaccinated population. And it's possible that it's looking like a mild illness because most other people in South Africa are either vaccinated or have already been infected with Delta and either of those things Uh, are the two things that give them protection. So it's worth watching the kids and being a little extra careful if Omicron becomes a big player in the United States. So I think there's a decent chance it will over the next four to six weeks.
0: Any final in the last 20 seconds thoughts on protocols just to remind us that you think we should not abandon?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's really important not to get, uh, you know, Omicron is sort of the shiny penny. Delta is a big deal. It's still a big deal. The Bay Area has been great on COVID, still great. But pay attention to it. And, and, you know, the masking is the key thing. The, the, you know, you can get an N95 anywhere. They are incredibly good. And I would be wearing them in any situation where you're going to be around, particularly around unvaccinated people uh, in an indoor setting. I think that's a smart thing to do.
0: Dr. Robert Wachter, professor and chair in the Department of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. Always good to talk with you.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.
0: My thanks to Dan Zoll and Susan Britton for producing today's segments and to you, our listeners, for your great questions and thoughts and reflections. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio.